0: Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. If you could just lift your hands and give God some praise for being in the sanctuary of the Lord. And it, is, it feels so good to be physically here with my brothers and sisters in Christ after being gone for so long of a time, not being able to worship in, in public. If you have your Bibles, meet me in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter six. And I'll be reading from verses one through four as my springboard text. Romans chapter six, verses one through four. This is the Apostle Paul. might walk in the newness of life. I struggle with the title of this. Um, do I call it uh, The Beauty of Baptism or Baptism 101? So I settle with The Beauty of Baptism. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we glorify you right now. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through me in such a way, Lord God, that your people will hear your word and not mine's. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts truly be acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer, and all the people of God, say amen. Amen. The beauty of baptism for believers. Christ's followers participate in two God-ordained sacraments that celebrate the beauty of what God has accomplished for us at Calvary. Does anyone know what those two God-ordained ordinances are? those sacraments? Any young person, just raise your hand and just call them out. What are those two things that we practice in the church that are considered sacraments? Come on, you can do it. Who wants to go for it? We practice one today. Anybody know what it was? Come on. Communion and baptism. All right, good job. (laughs) Communion is uh, celebrated on a regular basis, whereas baptism is celebrated as a one-time event in the life of of a believer, declaring their faith and allegiance to follow Christ. Both baptism and communion are a sign and a symbol or a symbol and a seal that points to a deeper reality of our relationship with Jesus Christ and his body. Both proclaim the gospel every time we practice them. Both communion and baptism celebrates our union with Christ and his body. A few weeks ago, Alex painting a picture of the Lord's call for us to practice Holy Communion. Now, I want to give us a picture of the beauty of baptism for believers. For centuries, godly men and women have been divided over the issue of baptism. In fact, entire denominations have emerged as a result of the disagreement. They're divided over what baptism accomplishes. To whom should be baptized and how much water should be used. The debate has been between the Credo-Baptists and the Paedo Baptists. What that simply means is that the Credo-Baptists believe that only believers should be baptized. Whereas Paedobaptists believe that both believers and their infants should be baptized. Now the issues become more complicated when people go to the extremes. One person says, I'm saved because I was baptized. And the other says, I'm saved so I don't need to be baptized. Both positions are perilous as we will see in a moment. In a couple of weeks from now, we will be gathered here to celebrate with our dear brothers and sisters in Christ who desire to declare their faith in Christ in front of others by being baptized. In preparation for that occasion, you might be struggling with some questions about baptism. Such as, what is baptism? Why do we make such a big deal out of it anyway? And what if I was baptized as an infant? Do I still need to be baptized as an adult believer? What, re- what is required of me and my child to be Baptized. As we explore the beauty of baptism for believers and gain clarity on some of these questions, I want us to look at four things. I want us to look at the mandate of baptism. Everyone say mandate of baptism. I want us to look at the meaning of baptism, the meaning of baptism. Thirdly, I want us to look at the main requirement for baptism. Everyone say the main requirement of baptism. And then lastly, I want us to look at the Messiah of baptism. Everyone say the Messiah of baptism. We will dig into a few of the scriptures and land in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Now let's look at first the mandate of baptism. The Greek word for baptism is the word baptizo. It is mentioned 113 times in the New Testament, mostly in the four Gospels and in the book of Acts. So important was this step that as far as we know, every single convert in the New Testament was baptized. With the exception of a thief on a the cross, there is no example of an unbaptized believer in all of the scriptures. When Jesus, watch this, when Jesus Christ, as king, authorized his disciples to make disciples, he wasn't giving them a great suggestion. He was giving them the great commission. In fact, the text is really in the imperative, not in the indicative. Indicative is just simply stated in fact. Imperative means that this is actually a command. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 19. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even until the end of the age." You see, water baptism is an initial step of obedience for all of Christ's followers. Baptism by water is not something that we get to opt out of. It's not on the menu selection. It's Christ's mandate. This initial step is a non-negotiable. As disciples of Christ, we don't get to opt out of being baptized or even calling other believers to being baptized. Not only was it, and still is it, the a first step of obedience for believers, but baptism was immediate. There was no lag time in baptizing new converts. Acts chapter 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, watch this. They were baptized, both men and women. And as Ananias, watch this, verse 17, departed and entered the house and laying hands on him, this is actually chapter 8, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and then he arose and was baptized. Acts chapter 16, verse 31. They replied, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all those who were in his house. Verse 33. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Jump down or jump back to Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41. As you recall, the apostle Peter is preaching to a multitude on the day of Pentecost. And in response, many were convicted of their sins and cut to heart and asked the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins all right, And it says, notice here, watch this, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Parenthetically, notice the gift of the Holy Spirit is bestowed on believers the very moment that they are converted and not later. This is what it means to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and for all to whom our Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his word. Watch this. Those who accepted his word were baptized. I don't know if infants can accept the word. And about three Thousand were added to their number that day. Could you imagine the apostles baptizing 3,000 converts? That's a lot of baptisms taking place. That's exactly what happened. And although baptism is mandated by our Lord, and it was immediate throughout the book of Acts, I came to face, faith in Christ in my late teens, but I got baptized baptized later in life. As a young adult, um, can you believe that I went to a Baptist church (laughs) for years, but somehow managed to miss every opportunity to get baptized? And as weeks turned into months and months turned into years, it became increasingly difficult for me to get baptized. For some strange reason, baptism service was scheduled on the days that I had to work. And not wanting to feel guilty anymore, I mentally pushed it aside and rationalized, well, I don't really need water baptism to be saved anyway, right? I'm already baptized in the Spirit into the body of Christ. But then a strange feeling came over me. When I graduated from seminary in Deerfield, Illinois, I remember this. A strong conviction filled my heart. It almost paralyzed me emotionally. I no longer wanted to push aside being baptized or making excuses regardless of how long I've been a Christian. I was tired of it. Both the pastors, my pastors at the time, and the professors teaching on the subject of baptism began to sink in for me. And I wanted to be obedient to my Lord's command in Matthew chapter 28. So I arranged a time to get baptized in a Baptist church I attended while I was in seminary just before returning home. It was such an amazing experience and a wonderful feeling that came over me as I was immersed in that tub of water by the pastors. It was a new feeling that came over me. Yes, I was already saved by God's grace through faith, But now I was being obedient to the Lord's command. Listen, I need you to hear me on this one. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you've been pushing baptism aside, let me challenge you to be obedient to Christ and get baptized. A little bit later, Alex is going to tell you when that baptism date is. Don't do what I did and push it aside any longer. It doesn't matter what others think. Yes, you've been walking with the Lord for many years. And you're already baptized in the body of Christ by the Spirit. We know that. But you never heeded Christ's command to be baptized in water as a public declaration of your faith in him. Now it's time to talk to one of the pastors after the service so that you can get signed up for baptism. And if you're watching online and you have questions about baptism, you're struggling with this even as a believer if you're watching online right now, I need you to reach out to us by going to our website on the contact tab. Now that we looked at the mandate of baptism, but, but we haven't yet defined what baptism is. So let's look at the meaning of baptism. What is baptism? There is some confusion around the nature of baptism, right? Some think that the event of baptism a water baptism makes one a Christian. But it doesn't. Have you ever asked someone, are you a Christian? And they say to you, well, I was baptized when I was eight years old. What's the first thing you're thinking about? That's cool, but the scriptures don't teach that you can be saved By water, baptism. Baptism by water does not save you any more than it saved Simon the musician in Acts chapter 8. He was a false convert. We're saved by grace through faith, and this is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God and not a matter of works lest anyone should boast. Furthermore, Paul reminds us in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. That's where the first baptism takes place. Word of baptism by immersion does not make you a believer. It shows that you are already one. Baptism. Baptism. Is an outward testimony of an inward transformation. It's the first step of obedience for a disciple of Christ. Not only that, but it is your identification with Christ in his body. Baptism is like a ring of identification. It is an outward symbol of a commitment that you made in your heart when you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Baptism celebration is so special, isn't it? Because it's a sign that points to a deeper reality, like a, this wedding ring on my finger. I put this wedding ring on at the moment that I decided to publicly declare my commitment, my vows to my beautiful wife over here. She moved. I don't know where she went. She's actually my amen corner, so I, I was looking forward to seeing, but Judah's probably acting up, so she had to take him out. Now, if I take off this ring, right, it doesn't mean that I'm not married anymore. Any more than if I was a single, putting a married ring on makes me married. Right? If you didn't know me and I didn't have a ring on, you probably would make the assumption that I was not married. Right? In the same way, baptism is an outward symbol of an inward covenant that we made in response to Christ's offer of salvation. To this end, when you were baptized by immersion— It's a sign that you belong to Christ and his body. Your life is not your own. You have been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. And just as a wedding celebrates the fusion of two hearts, baptism celebrates the union of the sinner with the Savior. Conversely, if I take this off right now and I say, well, let's just say we have a single person in here and I give you this ring and you put this ring on your wedding finger. Does that make that person a married? Does that make that person married? It doesn't. Any more than a person who is not a Christian gets baptized into the water. It's just a symbol, right? It's just a symbol. Right? A person can be baptized in the church, receive a certificate of baptism, but that doesn't make that person a true believer in Jesus Christ. I must trust in Christ alone for my salvation. You see, the, the, the meaning of baptism has a lot to do with the mold of baptism. The, the root of the word baptism or baptizo. It means to emerge or dip under water. Baptism by immersion in water is emerging in water, not sprinkling. Emerging down under the water, not sprinkling. Right? If you look at Acts chapter 8, verse 39, when Philip baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, the text says... When they went down into the water, Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, this certainly looks like immersion to me. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. You would be hard pressed to make a case for baptism by sprinkling of water from these texts. From observation, it seems to me that these are full-body submersions. One commentator sheds light on the word baptism in saying that immersion depicts more clearly the symbolic aspect of baptism since in three steps. Immersion, which is going into the water, right? Submerging, which means that you're always under the water. And then emerging is when you come up out of the water. It closely parallels entering into the death of Christ and experiencing the forgiveness of Christ and now rising to walk in the newness of life in Christ, living the resurrected life. Notice the clarity in the sovereign grace statement of faith on the sacrament of baptism. It says this, that through immersion in water, in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, the believer publicly proclaims his faith in Christ and signifies entrance, his entrance into the body of Christ. You see, the, the meaning of baptism has a mystery to it. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Spirit baptism not only connects me to Christ, it connects me to you. You couldn't get rid of me even if you wanted to. I will see you in heaven if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're connected. We may have different mothers, but we have the same father. Okay, all right. Heavenly Father. (laughs) Some people really thought about that literally. You see, this engrafting me into a covenant community as a member attaches me to all the other members in the body of Christ, which is so deep and so profound that the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, for in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many members. Jump down to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the mystery of being baptized into the body of Christ. It is no longer about me, myself, and I. I have a unique responsibility to care for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I am called to selflessness, love, and humility. I am called to operate in the spiritual gifts. My heart should grow ultra-sensitive to fill the hurts and joys of my siblings in Christ. This is the mystery of the meaning of baptism. Baptism is for covenant communion. We are all baptized into one body in Ephesians chapter 4. Check it out. All of us who believe in Christ share a common saving experience by being immersed into one body, the body of Christ. Water baptism is a testimony that unites a born-again believer with other born-again believers. We're not built to be long rangers. Somebody say amen. That's why I can't do too much virtual church without being here in this building. We weren't built to be long rangers we were built to be connected to one another yes let's practice social distance yes let's wear a face mask but let's be in proxy that's the way we've been built as a body of believers whenever a couple gives birth to a child the family and friends visit the hospital deliver well wishes and rejoice at the addition of new life added to the family In a similar way, when people receive the sign and seal of baptism, they become a part of God's family, the church. They enjoy the privileges and responsibilities of family membership. And there are many of them. Donald Whitney explained it well when he said that God, when God brings a person into spiritual life, that person enters into the spiritual and invisible body of Christ, the universal church. When that spiritual experience, watch this, it is pictured in water baptism. That individual's, individual's symbolic entry is into the tangible, visible body of Christ, the local church. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 27 reads this. The Apostle Paul says, for in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. And as many of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Many of us have our favorite sports teams. And we do not hesitate unapologetically to wear our sports teams colors or jerseys. Right? Faithfully. Well, when you are baptized, you are sporting Jesus. This signifies that you are team Jesus. Tell your neighbor, I'm team Jesus. Now, oh, that was weak. Y'all should tell your neighbor a little bit louder. Tell your neighbor, "That was, I'm team Jesus. All right, that's a little bit better. You rep Jesus. You're team Jesus. Baptism, water baptism is, is your way of going public with your faith. You're representing the king until the day he takes you home. Now that we've looked at the mandate of baptism that is not optional, the meaning of baptism is symbolic, let's zoom in on the main requirement for baptism. What's the main requirement for baptism? Well, thank you for asking that question. Does anybody know? Let's ask a young person. What is the main requirement for water baptism? come on let's try it are you scared what's the main requirement what's the reason what is the reason why your pastors would baptize you in the water if you said i i i i want to be baptized what's the main requirement it's only one you might want to try it you want to try it samuel Let's give him a hand. He said, believe. Yes. In particular, believe in who? God's son. It's faith. Right? When Jesus called people to follow him, he urged his hearers in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. The requirement for Water baptism is repentance and faith in Christ alone for your salvation. Repentance and faith, right? One cannot exist without the other. Baptism is preceded by faith and repentance. Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 38. Repentance and faith are the heads and tails of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. When Jesus called people to follow him, he urged his hearers in Mark chapter 1... The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. It is foreign to the New Testament to baptize anyone who who was not a believer in Jesus Christ. With the exception of that false convert, Simon and musician in chapter 8, it was never done. I went into Hallmark. A couple of weeks ago, the purchased a congratulations card from my niece who was recently baptized as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I, to my surprise, I, as I was looking for the, that section to celebrate believers' baptism, I, I happened to stumble across infant baptism cards. There were way more infant baptism cards than believers' baptism cards or even baby dedication cards. I was like, wow. I heard of a lot of, I heard of baby dedications and even christening, but I never really heard of baptizing babies. You see, remarkably, what this assumes is that a baby has repented of sin, confessed, and believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And to be fair, many would draw a direct parallel between the Old Testament circumcision and New Testament circumcision. Baptism in defense of infant baptism. But if you carefully examine the text of the New Testament, faith and repentance in Jesus Christ are required for baptism. Would you believe that some reject a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because they think that their infant baptism paved the way to heaven for them? I don't need to follow Christ. I've been baptized as an infant. Wow. Listen, nothing wrong with baby dedications. I enjoy doing them. My baby girl, Hannah, I don't think I see them over there, was dedicated a year ago right here at Risen Hope Church. And yet she still has to come to the age of accountability and acute awareness of her own sin and her need for the Savior. Yet I'm going to do everything in my power to train her up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But it is a spirit of the Lord that still has to draw that little girl. Amen? John Piper elaborates in Colossians chapter 2 and 1 Peter chapter 3. He says that baptism is an expression of the faith of the person being baptized. He says that I do not see how an infant could properly receive this ordinances as an expression of his or her faith. You see, the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Faith is always the prerequisite for baptism. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward conversion experience. There is no conversion without faith in Jesus Christ. Another way of saying it is that water baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. It is a symbol of identification with Christ and his members. We looked at the mandate of baptism. We, we saw the meaning of baptism. We saw the main requirements of baptism. But now, let's behold the Messiah of baptism. John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance in preparation for King Jesus' arrival. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. The people in that day and time had an ideal or some ideal what ritual cleansing looked like because a lot of that happened in the Old Testament with the priests. But this was different. This was not a mere ceremonial cleansing. This was a baptism of repentance, calling people to change their mind and course of direction from self to Christ. In essence, John was readying these people for their future forgiveness in Christ. John was so mesmerized and deeply humbled by the magnificence of Jesus Christ. Then out of nowhere, the long-awaited Messiah shows up at John's baptism service and requested John to baptize him. Wow. I can only imagine what was going through John's mind as he protested. Wait a minute, Jesus. You need to baptize me. You're not an eligible candidate to be baptized. I am. This was strange to John. And if baptism was designed to cleanse us from sin, why would Jesus need to be baptized? As far as John was concerned, Jesus was sinless and did not need to repent of anything. John was a sinner and he knew he needed to be baptized by Jesus. Yet Jesus said, let it happen. Go ahead and do it, John. See, Jesus came as our head representative to fulfill all manner of righteousness. He came to identify himself with sinners. You see, Jesus was positioning himself to take on our sins in exchange for his righteousness. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. At his baptism service, Jesus was visually preaching the gospel and this act of being submerged underwater. Not only is Jesus showing us in his simple act of obedience how we ought to engage in baptism as his disciples, but he demonstrates using water his death, burial, and resurrection. And in some mysterious way, the king was symbolizing our cleansing from sin as he was preparing for the cross. Baptism by immersion was so significant a symbol that all three of the persons of the Holy Trinity were present at the ceremony, as Jesus was submerged in the water, and we, when he emerged, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all present. And notice what the Father said: "Is this voice thunder from heaven?" As the Spirit descends upon Jesus in his act of obedience, "This is my beloved Son." In whom I am well pleased, listen to him. You see, in this single act of obedience, God, Jesus, was virtually preaching his baptism by fire using water. Baptism by immersion in the water also signifies my ongoing consecration to God. Baptism symbolizes death to your old nature, your old way of life. And being risen to your new way of life in Christ. Every time a person is baptized, they have a funeral service. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue and sin that grace may abound? By no means. How, how can we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death in order that just as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we too might walk in the newness of life let me see if i can demonstrate this for you through an object example as i close i'm gonna need a volunteer uh evie all right so thank you let's give her a hand let's give evie a hand right So, Evie, I'm going to place this. uh, Just hold out your hand. Hold out your five fingers up like that. Your five fingers represents, represents you, your freedom, right? Somewhere along the line, Adam and Eve sin, which end up separating people or humanity from God, right? All of us became corrupt by sin. We lost our freedom, right? This represents sin, right? I'm going to... Bound your hand with a lot of sin. Okay? Lots of sin. You're going to look like a mummy. No, you're not. I'm not going to make you look like a mummy. Don't worry about it. I practice this at home with my wife. I'm not going to hurt you. To hurt you. She's like, what are you doing to me, Pastor Rick? All right. So now, this is the cheap toilet paper. So now, let me ask you this question. Are you able to spread your fingers apart? Only a little bit, right? You're restricted. That's what sin does to us. Sin bounds us, right? It bounds us. But what, what, what happens when, when we get saved and we place our faith in Jesus Christ is that we get baptized into Christ and into his death. We are Baptized into the body of Christ, and the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. All right, so I need you to take your hand, I need you to to submerge your hand or emerge your hand into the water all the way under. And this is how baptism takes place, right? Now, hold it under there. I need y'all to count to 20. All right, this is what happens. When a person gets baptized into the body of Christ. Now, let me ask you, can you spread your fingers apart? Yeah. Now, can you pull your hand all up and just drop all that stuff off of it? You see what happens? As she ups, lifts her hand, and when we come up out of the water, it represents her newness. You could use that paper towel right there. Let's give her a hand. She did a good job. What happens is we're in bondage to sin. But when we place faith in Jesus Christ, right, he releases us from the bondage to sin, right? But is there still something in this bowl right here? Right. It's still present, right? So we have not yet been delivered from the presence of sin, so we still struggle with it, right? But Romans tells us that we we should no longer allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies that we may obey it in its lusts, which means that you don't have to submit to sin. Even though we struggle with it, we don't have to submit to it. We say, how is that even possible? It's only possible through the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You can't put that down. You can't stop watching that on your own. You can't stop being disobedient to your parents. You have to trust in God's Holy Spirit to do it through you, right? And this, this thing is messy. Sometimes we go back in there, right, and we play in it, right? When you're a believer, you're struggling forward, not struggling backwards, not swimming backwards in the sin. You're struggling forwards, but you're only doing it through Jesus Christ. Christ is living his life through you. And this is what happens every time a a, a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. In some mysterious way, what the Lord does is he actually frees them from bondage to that slave master's sin. So that now they are free to walk in the newness of life, to experience all the joys that Christ has to offer. And yet some people never even walk in that. Some Christians will remain in a state of just, you know what? Coasting, static in their spirituality, not growing, not having an acute awareness of their own sin and their desperate need for Christ. This is what happens. Now let me ask you a question. Does a person get saved when they're submerged in the water? Come on, y'all had to answer this question. Uh, no, right? This is only what? It is only water. Yes, that's correct. It's only a symbol of a deeper commitment I made with Christ. Right? When I place my faith in Christ, this is what this is a symbol. So that, oh, wow. <laughs> Bad I didn't practice that part. So I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move to a close now. <laughs> Here's the thing let me challenge you. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. You have been struggling as a believer. You have not been reading your Bible. You have not been praying. You have not been fellowshipping with other believers. You've just been coasting. You've been on cruise control, sliding backwards, further back and further back into sin. Even though Christ died to free you from that. I want to challenge you right now to rededicate your life to Christ. I don't know who I'm talking to. If you're online or you're present, You know what you need to do. You know how you need to respond. And maybe not here, maybe not now, but when you get home, get down on your knees and confess your sins. The Lord says he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you want to walk in the newness of life, the life that has been appointed for you, it's yours in Christ through faith in him. And then my last call is for the person that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know who you are. You've been going through the religious motion, emotions. You show up, but you're disconnected. You're online, but you're disconnected. You don't know Jesus Christ. Listen, let me tell you this: For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, there is not one righteous, no not one. All have been infected with this virus called sin. And the only cure for this virus is Jesus. And guess what? It's only one shot. It's only one shot. The moment you place faith in Jesus Christ, it is finished. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we adore you for your word, Lord God. We pray that if there's anyone here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, we pray that they will talk to one of the pastors after the service. If there's someone online who doesn't know you, God, I pray that they'll reach out to us through our website. Lord, we ask that you would move by your spirit, Lord God, and thank them, Lord, disciples of Christ. We pray in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. Let's release our hands and give God some praise. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Evie.